Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Morning, everyone. It's a glass cleaner. Look at that. How are you doing this morning? I am back in the United States of America. It's good to be feel the freedom again. Um, got to spend a, quite a few days in Belfast. Uh, I was really, really had a good time, and. We got a lot of work done on the dock. So I can't read any. <laughs> Welcome back, thank you. I'll, I'll dust her here. Let's see, I'll dust. There we go. Um, can you tell I'm a dad? Um, thank you, good to be back. Got the kiddos back here. We're having a good time. Um, oh, goodness gracious. Eight hours, chat lagged, pretty crazy. Um, I have forced myself to get, when you have kids, you just gotta like force yourself to get back into the swing of things. It's like, no, like, you know, I was a little bit of a zombie the first day I got, first couple days, but doing better now. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited for you guys to see this project we're working on um, in Belfast. We work with my friend Helen, and she is really great and made sure we got all the work done. She also got me this really cool little Vivian Westwood thing. It's pretty cool. Rest in peace. Um, <laughs> I've got my Jim Morrison beads on. Break on through to the other side. All right. Anyway, um, we're going to get into Galatians 2 today, which I'm excited about. Um, I got to do a talk with, um, I, I got to sit on a, um, a panel with uh, Pete Rollins and a bunch of folks in Ireland. Um, I think you can find it. If you go to PeteRollins.net or .com, I think it's PeteRollins.com now. I think he got .com. But we did a, they did a long talk. I come in halfway through because the other half I was doing revolution service. So there you go. Hope everybody's New Year's going well. Um, trying to think. I've just been dadding. Just been doing some dadding. Mostly since I got back. Um, laundry and such. All right, well, let's do it. Let's do Galatians 2. Greet your neighbors. Remember, today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. <laughs> um, one of the cool things is, and I was sharing this with um, Steve Peters earlier. Uh, we were chatting on Instagram. He was giving me an update on his chemotherapy. Keep praying for that guy. Chemo seems to be working, and we're really, really, really excited about that. Um, what is it? 
I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah, there was a, you know, an article from the New York Times, I think it was 2001, that talks about finding the location of the Galatians, because a lot of people were like, oh, Gauls and Turkey, it doesn't make sense. And, you know, because it's like Irish and Scottish and all that. And yes, they were there. Um, so if you look for like Gauls in Turkey or something on Google, the, the, the New York Times article is behind a paywall. Uh, somehow I got to see it though, and I don't subscribe to the New York Times, so I don't know how that happened, but I think maybe you get a couple free a month. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, that's a great article, so I would hook, link it here, but I don't have a thing right in front of me. Um, so it's cool to see that, you know, and it was like, and we're reading the article and they're like, yeah, the Apostle Paul talked about it. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. So, you know, when you start going like making sure who people are, there's, there've been some great books written since then too on Galatians that go really in depth that I've tried to read, but have not finished. So we'll see. Um, I got a bunch of notes here, but we got to kind of start right in the thick of things. <laughs> Steve said he was wrong and I was right. There's a first time for everything. Finally, I've made it in life. <laughs> Feels so good. Um, yeah, I told Zoe that I was gonna go into becoming an apologetics into apologetics now, but we have to get rid of the pastoral epistles first because it won't work for apologetics. Boom. Um, so here we are in Galatians 2. Um, Paul is talking to the Gauls and the Jews and they're living together and they're having a hard time. And that was one of the reasons we talked about I wanted to launch this thing in Belfast, uh, Northern Ireland, where they had the troubles and they had to also come together and find peace in their own uh, community and city. And, um, and it was great because someone reminded me at the end of that talk that, you know, don't forget, it was put up to the people and the people voted for it. And the great thing about that is that's who Paul is talking to, you know? <laughs> and, um, and uh, that's a pretty awesome. So, that, the people, you know, and that's who Paul's talking, the people. We're talking about the people. The people. And let's talk about the people for a second. That's us. We're the people. We decide. And it might not be through a vote. It might be through other actions of <clears throat> communicating well, disagreeing well. Um, you know, I, I find it that it's become very easy. Like, it's really like the church is such an easy target to just really just go talk shit about. Let's just be honest. It's really easy to do that. And... You know, I feel like there's more and more like podcasts and 
and like Instagram accounts and Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts. And, oh, Christians, Christianity, blah, 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 you know. And I, I think that's fine. Everybody's giving their thing. But I think, you know, the baby with the bathwater might be something that we also want to continue to think about is, you know, that's when I think uh, scholarship really becomes important. And it's also when I think, um, yes, compromise is very important. You are correct. I always think it's like embracing the contradiction to find something higher, as as uh, as George Hegel spoke about. Is is you know everybody has to lose in order to win or compromise, and what happens above that? And I would say the truth that is above the contradiction and having to come together or the compromise is 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 quite beautiful in in Belfast. Uh, to be honest with you, the third way, and it's funny that that Zoe mentions the third way because. Um, I was thinking last night about the Joker in um, the Dark Knight Returns Batman movie. And uh, he seems to, like, like you've got the police he's rebelling against, like the law, but then he's got the criminals who he's also rebelling against. And then he's got Batman who he's... So even the third way, like Batman tries to create this third way, and the Joker's like, no. And that's where the chaos comes in. Um, and I was just thinking about how interesting that was, is like, you know, maybe chaos comes in when we reject the third way. That's just something I thought about going to, as I was laying in bed last night, so I haven't like nailed that down, but I thought that was interesting. Um, and I think there are, and, and it's funny, because I mean, some people just want, you know, um, Alfred says some people just want to watch the whole world burn. And I think there's a lot of that out there, a lot of that like people who just, you know, are so hurt and in such pain that they almost just like don't want anybody else to experience. They don't want to compromise. They don't want the third way. And really, you know, there, there's chaos. And I think that maybe, um, I'm not gonna say that that comes out of like some evil spirit or something like that or some evil uh, wanting chaos, but just misguided, uh, zeal in some ways. I think there's kind of this misguided zeal that just is like, you know, there is no third way. There is no fourth way. There is no way, but, you know, chaos. And, you know, I think we've been living in chaos for the past few years in this country. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, I'm also not a big fan of just like, of how a lot of us have adopted like some of the worst parts of religion, you know, like the judgmental parts and the like the being offended easily parts and the the the, the judgmental parts of, of, you know, so much of that comes out of pain or defense mechanisms and how do we work around those things? So let's get into Galatians uh, 2 since I think that's what we're here for, right? Um, then after 14 years, once again, Paul is kind of, showing that he is an apostle because one of the reasons that that um there's this division happening and growing even further in Gauls and with the Gauls and the Judaizers is because um some folks have been trying to cancel Paul 
and saying, well, you know, Paul's not really, uh, Paul's not really the, uh, really an apostle, you know, he's a, he's just kind of like a wannabe apostle. And so the slander begins, the media, the gossip, the slander begins. You know, I had an experience this week where this like history, part of the history channel put up a portrait of my mom and it was actually a lovely photo I'd never seen before and she had this really cool star necklace that I'd never seen before and I thought it was a really great picture and then I did the unfortunate thing of reading the comments and people were really cool really cruel really said some horrible things about my mother and um and so I went through and I kind of asked each person like why and things like that and it's always strange to me like the people who want to double down on their cruelty you know, because they have this caricature, this idea, this cardboard cutout, uh, as Zoe said, that, that of who my mother is or what she represents. And that's, and the more you go through that, the more you go start asking questions of like, how many other people do we frame in that similar way? You know, like how many people do we just scapegoat and go, well, they're just pure evil and pure bad and then do that? Like, oh, well, they, you know, like I was reading this thing about John Lydon, uh, Johnny Rotten, you may know him as. Uh, PIL just released a new song called Hawaii. And it's all about his wife who suffers from Alzheimer's. And um, old, old, old timers, I always pay that word wrong. But um, his wife who's, 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 you know, losing her memory and um, suffers from this awful disease. And it's really kind of a beautiful song. And it's interesting because when John was a young boy, he was really sick and lost his memory and, and said that was his worst fear. And now he's having to watch the person he loves the most go through this and wrote this beautiful song. And again, I read the comments. I'm starting to learn that comments aren't great, but you know, things like Twitter are just comments and Facebook, Facebook is really bad. And this was on Facebook, you know, and people are writing, Trumper, Trumpy, oh, blah, blah, blah. I can't believe it. Oh, he's a maniac, you know. And they all hate him because he wore a Make America Great Again shirt. And how often do we take one bit, one idea, one thing of a person? And some of you might go like, oh yeah, you know, when I was at the punk rock flea market, and it's funny because I just saw this post from the punk rock flea market saying, oh, it's all about love. But they had a shirt that said, uh, John Rotten. And I walked up and said, I love John Rotten <laughs> and just walked away. I, I, I tried to do it. I said, what would my mom do? And what would Zoe do? And what would these and Jesus do? And so I went up and said, I love John Rotten. And then just walked away. Um, I was also with my kids. But it's funny how we create these characters of people and we take one thing or two little things and we decide to destroy the whole person based on these thoughts or based on the public thoughts or based on what the majority thinks or based on what the press thinks. And the more I, I get older, the more I realize like that's not really what we're supposed to do is an attitude of following this type of really strange religion called Christianity. And that's also not the attitude of punk rock. It's like we don't let the media do our thinking for us. We don't allow uh, others to do that. And, and what Galatians does is asks us to love on a higher level and to do things that aren't instinctively for us to do. So, all right, here, what's Paul doing? Paul's trying to prove that he's, he's trying to uncancel himself with a certain group of people in the Galat with the Galatians, with the Gauls, and with the Jews there, the Judaizers, and he's trying to uncancel himself and prove himself 
to be what he is so people will maybe listen to what he's having to say. Strange that we're still doing this. It's just we just continue to repeat the same things over and over again. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, talking to Titus along with, taking Titus along with me. I went up in response to a revelation. Then I laid before them, though only a private meeting with the acknowledged leaders, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, non-Jews. In order to, in order to had to run, I was not wanting to run or had not run in vain. This is what he's saying. Like, I didn't want my life's work not to be, have purpose. But even Titus, who was with me, was not compelled to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. But because of false believers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy on our freedom. We have Christ Jesus so they might not enslave us. We did not submit to them even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might always remain with you. Now here's another interesting fact. is like even when Paul goes to meet with the leaders of the, 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 you know, the, the, the surviving disciples and goes to meet with some of these guys and says, hey, I want to reach the Gentiles. I think this is important. Um, and this is pretty ironic that, that it's Paul doing this. Another really wild thing is that, you know, Paul's realized that Christ was an outcast and now he's going like, well, we can't really have outcasts in this if, if Christ is also an outcast. And so, Paul goes out to do this, and there's people there spying on them. Maybe they were reporters, I don't know. Um, maybe they were bloggers to see, oh, are they following the law? Like, I mean, it was really this thing of like, how do we discount these folks? And it seems like in, our, in, our, in this world, and often in Christianity, um, and even post-Christianity, um, we're, we're, we're constantly trying to discount others' experiences other people's truth, you know, we want to, you know, figure a way to say that they're not quite right. And you know what? We're all not quite right, if I figured anything out in this world. Um, and those who are supposed, okay, it goes on, so he goes, you know, we didn't do it for a second. We didn't give in to that, you know, because th this is the important part about this Religion, this is the important idea about this faith that we subscribe to, what we put our trust into, that we use to kind of guide our steps, to guide our the race, if you will, of life, is the idea that we know who we are, you know, that we know we are accepted, that we accept that we're accepted, and we're not going to let anybody else take that away from us. And so we went in with that confidence, we went with the leaders with confidence, and we spoke to those folks with confidence. And even though those people who came around to try to discount us, we did not allow them. We did not allow them to uh, make us any lesser or, or, or not accept who we are or who Titus was. Um, and from those who were supposed to be acknowledged leaders, what they actually were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. So even some of the leadership pressured Titus a little bit, and he goes, mm, no. And I, I think what one of the really cool things, and I've talked about this every time, or at least the last four times I've done Galatians, is those who are supposed to be, no, to be leaders, 
is he goes, God shows no partiality. And what I love about this is he's saying like, you know, someone may know more than you or think differently than you, but it doesn't mean they're better than you, you know? And that's great because when you kind of have that aspect of life and you don't think, well, you know, you know you're able to kind of go in without this inferior, inferior, inferiority complex or this, this, this dread of this worry and, and learn from other people and work with other people and maybe even teach them a thing or two. I think that was what was interesting is I was with a lot of people when I did the talk with that group with Pete in Belfast and a lot of them had doctorates and were really smart and they were artists and there were different things like that. But I was still able to add a little bit to that and more of a basic understanding and I think I was able to bring a little bit of light to the subject um, because I knew that we all just have different roles and we've studied different things and we have different motives and different ideas and that we're able to work and use those together. And um, it's funny because this was, you know, expressed with, you know, the religion I grew up in and, and the denomination I grew up in, and which was really pretty much Assemblies of God, but also some Baptists uh, later because I went to a, a Baptist uh, private school and then ended up sending the church and going to their camps. Uh, my mom would always sign me up for their summer camps. Um, this was always something that was kind of acknowledged, but also winked, you know, because there was always the man of God, you know, the man of God, or, you know, and they sometimes go, the the person of God, the woman or the man, the, the, the you know, don't don't question the, the, the authority of the person of God, which was just like this whole day of like, oh, we're all equal, some of us a little more equal than other, uh, to quote Animal Farm. Um, so this true is that God has no favorite, so ask questions, you know, push back. And if someone's afraid of questions, then I think that might also reveal a lot. And it might just be time to go, okay, I need to move on here because these people don't like these questions. Or ask, why do these questions bother you? Um, so God shows no, no, no partiality. Those leaders contributed nothing to me. I love Paul. Paul's just really going for it here. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, he just lays it out there, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter, making him an apostle to the circumcised, also worked through me and sending me to the Gentiles. So once again, Paul's making it very clear, like Peter, me, we're not really many different. We might have different folks that we feel called to, but they will definitely overlap. And uh, we both have that calling on us. We're both apostles. And, um, and when James and Cephas and John, who were acknowledged pillars, recognized the grace that had been given to me, they gave, me, uh, they gave to Barnabas and me the right hand of fellowship, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and to the circumcised, they asked only, so to go to both. So this is both groups that Paul's talking to, into, you know, he's basically saying like, when we talk about like, when we were, when I was in Belfast, you know, it was like, there would have been, he would have said something like, oh, you know, the Catholics and the Protestants, you know, or something like that. Um, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and to the circumcised, to the Republicans and the Democrats, um, to the, 
conservatives and the progressives. They asked only one thing is that we remember the poor, which was to actually what I was eager to do. And I think when you look at people like these leaders who are often begin with going, well, I'm called to this group or I'm called to that group, uh, poverty uh, becomes a realization that often is the ultimate separation is between, you know, class. And that class can cause lots of different types of prejudices and types of things, and it can actually put us all into these positions. And so he, he, he hits right away with, you know, and they said, remember the poor. And he goes, which we were already eager to do. So that's something that kind of runs through this is like, poverty is a big thing. It's like uh, Dr. King, when he was, uh, his life was taken, when he was killed, when he was murdered, um, he was working on the poor people's campaign uh, with sanitation workers of all different colors. But he realized like this is an issue, making a living, feeding your family. These are important things. Um, this is all I, you know, this is the different things I get out of Galatians. All right, so 11. Now, this is where we hit this, this big point where Paul is continuing to try to make this point, and he's making a couple points in this next part. And one is, you know, <laughs> doubling down on the God has no favorites, but also, like, even, even the anointed, even the called, even the apostles make mistakes, is what he's saying. Even we fall back into old ways of thinking. And he goes, but when Cephas came to Anatoch, and I opposed him to his face, which is Paul, which is Peter, because he stood self-condemned. For until certain people from James's, which he just said James agreed to let him do his thing, but James's group comes and starts to put pressure on folks. Until certain people from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But after they came, he drew back and kept himself separate for fear of the circumcision faction. I think that's another good band name. And the other Jews joined him in the hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas, who was his was 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 Paul's partner there, was led astray by the hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not acting consistently with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you through Jew live like a Gentile and not like Jew, how can you come Compel the Gentiles to live like Jews. So how can you compel them to follow these traditions if you yourself don't? Now, why is this happening? Why are they separating each other? Well, um, it's the purity requirements. This was the, the, the idea of the requirement of the law and, and to remain pure was to not sit with people who were seen as unpure. And... It's funny, I think we all have our own idea of, <laughs> of purity requirements now, of who we see as pure and who we see as tainted and, and uh, infected by something. You know, um, and, and the interesting thing is, is, is one of the reasons Paul is so interesting here, and I'm going to go back to this again, as I said this earlier, but Paul has, ex has accepted a shamed criminal as the Messiah. Paul has taken Christ, who is hung on a cross, shamed as a criminal, on the cross, 
and accepted this as the Messiah. This is, was a, 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 a Pharisee, a religious leader with much zeal, says, I have taken the outcast of the outcast, who was a Jew themselves, and I have accepted them. And so Paul has accepted a shamed criminal as the, the Christ. So he's basically saying, I can't separate here. We can't do this. It's as though you're saying you would be willing to, you would not be pure to sit with Christ. It's as though you're taking all of Christ's life and when he sat with prostitutes and tax collectors and even had them in his disciples and zealots as his disciples and things like, when he sat with these people, you were saying like, you can't, you won't even follow in the own footsteps of our shamed criminal <laughs> Messiah. Oh, so I am so sorry to see that. And, uh, but the great thing is, 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 you know, the truth. The great thing is that we know that we are accepted and that we're able to sit in that moment and go, it doesn't matter circumcision, uncircumcision. It doesn't matter these religious traditions that these people hold on to that are really not even truly traditions is that we know where we are at and we're able to look at those who say, I cannot be with you. I mean, I remember when my mom died and and um, my marriage fell apart literally like oh, I found out a week later that, that was over. And and the, some some leaders who people I were friends with told other friends of mine that see when Jay became affirming of the LGBTQ community, God took his hand off of them, off of Jay's life. And I thought, wow, that's your idea of God as someone who was like, lets my marriage fall apart if I'm not following the, the law. Because that's law. Uh, that God uh, allows my mother to die from cancer because I am not following the law. And uh, these are the type of misinformed folks that we are called to, to help set them free from that bondage, to set the, help set them free from that uh, what they're missing in life, that they're missing out on someone like Zoe, who's been a huge encourager to me and a wonderful friend and, uh, and has helped keep me going in, in, in really dark times, even just through small little words. Um, you know, they're missing out on that. And that's the thing is, is, is how I have to change my perspective is not going, oh, those legalistic bastards. What I have to go is go, oh, it's desperately sad that they don't have someone like that in their life. It's definitely sad that they don't have an encourager with them to continue to help move them forward in what their work is. That when their darkest hour comes that they may be abandoned by others. But you know what I know about Zoe? Is that when they, if those dark hours come, and they usually do, Zoe will be there. Christ will be there. Paul will be there. You know, this is the point of this really powerful book is uh, helping us uh, inform the misinformed. And uh, it, the book, I mean, it goes on and on in Galatians, as, we, as some of you know, because you've, you've been through it a few times with us. But um, that's, as we get in deeper into Galatians, you'll see that. It's really beautiful. Now, one of the other things that's very interesting about 
this story, and I've never really realized this until I was reading a commentary uh, the other day about it. And it says, you know, the likelihood of, of Paul winning that argument at that moment is highly unlikely. And he doesn't mention it. He doesn't mention that they repented and they did what they were supposed to do. He doesn't say anything. You don't know how it ends. And, um, and so I thought that was really interesting that it was like, you know, maybe the leaders didn't listen. But that didn't stop Paul from doing what he's called to do because other leaders didn't listen. They didn't call him to say, well, this is all a sham or these guys are horrible. I mean, he's pointing out their faults, but he's also saying like, you know, they're leaders like I am. And this is, I stood my ground. That's all he's saying is that I stood my ground and he doesn't say exactly how it ended up. And, and so you kind of are left with this kind of like, well, what happened? He goes on, and this is a powerful part, I think. Paul goes on and goes, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Like, what? <laughs> you know, like, ouch. But I think he's really, he's really hitting his audience here. Yet we know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ. And another way to put that would be through trust. Trusting this way of life. Trusting this grace. Trusting this concept of loving your enemy, loving your neighbor. You know, never giving up, never losing faith. Always being hopeful, enduring through every circumstance. Praying for those who persecute you. You know, he's saying, you know, these are, these, are, these are the things that I have my trust in. Forgiving those who've, who've offended me. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ. And I like that because I was looking at this, another commentary that said you could use the word faith and trust inter, interchange in this in this in this particular section, and I thought that was very interesting because, um, you know, we might be justified by our trust in Christ. He's saying, like, you know, we to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by trust in Christ or faith in Christ. Because sometimes faith it can be kind of a buzzword for people uh, or a hurtful word or bring up things, whatever. Um, but, but. What's interesting about this is saying, like, I'm following the road that Christ led out to its, like, logical ends. And that's inclusion, that is bringing in more people, that is loving more people, that is being more affirming of more people, that is not having an us and them. And to me, uh, how powerful really is that? It's very powerful. <laughs> we might be justified in faith in Christ and not by doing the works of the law because no one will be justified by the works of the law. So no one is justified by separating themselves from others because they think they uh, are somehow favored or they are, I mean, that is literally what they're following. They're not following grace when they go, I can't be with you because that's not Christ-like. That is a law. That's not a conviction. That is a law. It's not Christ because if we, we look at the life of Christ, that's not the example that Christ set before us, period. Especially if they're leaders. I mean, it's like, you know, 
What's going on there? But if in our efforts to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have been found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. But, and this is where he's like the sin, you know, the missing the, the missing the chance to love others, the missing the chance to help others. That was the Jewish understanding of sin was like, I missed out on, on helping my fellow human being. I missed out on being something positive to someone else's life. Um, I was, a rabbi friend of mine was telling me about this the other day. Um, is Christ a servant of sin? Certainly not. But if I build up again the very thing that I once tore down, then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. And what he's saying is when we rebuild the law, when we start to separate us from them, when we have these things that say that we're chosen and these folks are not, we're rebuilding up an old law. When we say nasty, you know, unpure people, purity here, we've, re, we've recast the old law and that's where we find ourselves in transgression. Where transgression is when we separate ourselves when this community is divided because one group says you need to do this and the other group says no i i don't feel like i do need to do this and now there's a transgression because this group cannot be a community of the gauls and the judaizers or the republicans and the democrats or the straights and the gays or the blacks and the whites or the uh, you know the 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 the, the, the in the Protestants or the Catholics or the, you know what I mean? We become transgression. This is a transgression. I, I really firmly believe this. And I think we've all come into this binary way of thinking, you know? Um, and it's crazy because a lot of people are like, I'm non-binary, but their way of thinking is very binary. It's like good, bad. Um, and, and we create these, these caricatures of each other so we can scapegoat one another and feel greater about ourselves. Irish and Canadian, American and Canadian. Um, So we've got to be careful not to, to use what often I think is, is this idea of, I mean, you see this, I, I was thinking about this the other day, is, um, well, here he is. For though, Paul says in, in 2.19, for though the law, I died to the law, so that I might live in God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I thought about Christ who lives in me. What is that? And I thought to myself, sometimes I want to get revenge. And I want to hold grudges. And I want to judge others. And I want to say, my third way is the only way. And this is, and I want to create a new law. You know, even if we find a third way, eventually down the road, someone else is going to be like, ah, I think we need to find a fourth way. You know, because eventually we create these things, we take these freedoms, and then we start to put these walls up. And we start to say, oh, well, we need, we need to have more boundaries. We've got to have all these boundaries. And boundaries are a good thing, and we need all these boundaries. And one of the things that my analyst recently told me, goes, I don't really, he said, I'm not a fan of boundaries. What I believe is in structures. And why I keep holding my hands up, you'll see in a second. And building structures. And structures have maybe a door. And maybe a window. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm giving you all the finger. Um, <laughs> or maybe a window. <laughs> this was really hard to do. Or maybe a window. 
but there's structures and, and there's times to make exceptions for these structures and times to let people in and times to protect ourselves as well. But structures have, you know, knock, knock, you know, okay. And, and so it's this idea of being a little bit more free willing, you know, and, and so on this, I think sometimes in this ideal of being, you know, well, I'm going to take care of myself and I'm not going to let this happen anymore. We have to be careful that we don't become what we hated. We don't have to be careful that we, you know, we're not leaving people out. And I feel like we always figure out, no matter how good the news is, how for about it is for about forgiveness or inclusion, we always figure ways to build new walls and create new laws. And so uh, maybe that's why we need reformation about every 500 years. And guess what? <laughs> we're about 500 years time. time it's a little past due by a couple years. And so here I am <laughs> trying to do that. Um, you know, there are, there are calls to love in Christianity that seem to go beyond the wisdom of the times. Sorry, everybody. Beyond the wisdom of time, the times. I'm going to put my charger in. There are calls in Christianity to love that don't seem to line up with, with the times that we're living in the traditions that we're living in right now or the world that we live in right now. So these calls for us, sometimes we have to kind of move forward and continue to love even when people don't like it. You know, um, yesterday someone was asking a question of, do you think it's great that people are a little bit more open and critiquing the church and thinking like this? And, and I said, in some ways, yeah, but in other ways, no, because I feel like we're kind of we're forgetting things when we, like, get really angry at the churches. We forget forgiveness. We forget grace, you know. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. We, am I allowed to use the bathroom? Um, you know, we reject Christianity because we don't like the people who follow it anymore. We reject and we lose a lot of these really brilliant, beautiful things because we go, well, there's so many hypocrites. There's so many humans involved. There, there's so much crap involved. But really, you think we'd have to live all of society if we did that way. You know, um, you know, every time we become disillusioned with people, it, it was really strange because, like, I watched a lot of my progressive friends become very disillusioned with uh, Harry, uh, the, the, the royal, the, 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 the prince, Prince Harry because he released this book and said all those things. But like right before that, like a lot of like progressive folks were like, yeah, way to go, way to go. And now they're all like, oh, I don't know if this is good. You know, saying too much, you know. And, and, and it's like, so if we live in the world or we look at the media or we like, look, think about all the different information we got about like COVID when we were going through it and how some of us like followed the letter of the law and then other of us were questioning it. And then all this other news comes out and we continue to learn new things. You know, it's like, if we were, were so disillusioned by this faith, then I think, you know, we also would be very disillusioned by the world and by the misinformation and by the media and by politics and by all these things, you know, but we can only separate ourselves so much. But I think what we all try to do is try to find the good things in life, the positive things of life, reasons to live, why, do, you know, people who we care about, things we care about, our kids, our children, our family, our parents, maybe our friends, you know, our art, our passion, our love for the less fortunate. You know, these are the things that we allow to keep us going. And I think it's important for us to hold these things, you know, and uh, rather than just saying, well, and then we go to the other side. And that's what Paul is really trying to make sure, like, listen, 
you guys got to come together and agree to disagree well. And I'm not asking my Jewish brothers and sisters to give up their traditions. I'm just saying don't force them onto others. Um, and that's often what we want to do with tradition is make other people walk within our own traditions, even though they're not familiar with that. And um, at least we should help talk to them about it. Um, so, you know, I remember I used to have this magnet on the refrigerator where he's like, you know, Jesus, it's your fan, you know, I love you, but you're a fan club. I don't like your fan club. And um, I think that's an important way of seeing things. And there's some people who are just like, I can't believe that there's a man in the sky. I don't believe there's a man in the sky. It's not how I believe in, in this faith. But I see a lot of people who give it up for those different reasons. And I understand that, and I'm not here to judge those folks. Um, for using their mind and, and using their own heart and using their understanding, you know. All we can do is hope that people follow the best of the understanding. But what I'm hoping to do is that we create a less of an angry area and that we are willing to have conflict. Um, I can't remember who said it, but it was said that when we are free of conflict, we're at war. Like, without conflict, we go directly to war. And I think we obviously do that quite a bit. Um, so Paul goes on to say, it's Christ who lives in me. And that's what I'm saying. The Christ in me gives him the ability to say, hey, I stood up to Paul. I stood up to these people. I'm reaching out to you. I'm trying to follow. I know it's not the popular way. I know it's not the traditional way, but this is the way. And I'm here to share with you, this is the way. And, um, and it's Christ who lives in me who compels me to live in this way. It is Christ who I follow and follow the example of. Um, for me, I think a good example would be like, you know, uh, following Dr. King's work and my work, even though our work isn't exactly the same. You know, some people are like, oh, you can't, you, you can't steal Dr. King's work. I'm not stealing. I'm just saying he wrote the best roadmap for doing this type of work, especially when we're in division. Um, John Hume, who uh, played a big part in, in um, uh, the Good Friday Agreement, you know, he was someone who was very influenced by Dr. King as well. So Dr. King has uh, done so many great things for people by just inspiring them to live life differently. And I think to live life more like a follower of Christianity than, than uh, following even our own instincts. And I think that's when we have to die to our flesh, you know, is the, oh, there's a, you know, there's a bad person, I should run from them, you know, evolution, <laughs> rather than maybe I should talk down, sit down and talk to them and, and learn some things. Um, so, uh, today, tomorrow's Dr. King's day. Good day to think about it. One of the, th one of the one, just one of Dr. King's quotes that really moves me greatly, uh, his life has moved me greatly, but one of his quotes that really moves me greatly about 15, 16, 17 years ago was, it is not the words of our enemies we will remember, but the silence of our friends. And that idea of not being there, for, and I felt that a lot growing up. You know, I felt like a lot of people just backed away from my family when they went through their troubles, and when they went through their scandals. You know, and a lot of people just like, oh, maybe if we just don't say anything, you know, but it's like you're getting devoured and beaten and beaten into dust by certain groups of people. You know, a loving word would go a long way. And uh, that was one quote that just really was almost like the, the nail that made me say, like, I've got to speak out for my LGBTQ brothers and sisters. I can be silent no more. 
you know, I must say something. And I even quoted that to my mom when she goes, well, can't you just do it without saying it because the church is going to come after you? And I said, mom, Dr. King said this. And, you know, do you think there were other people like Dr. King before who decided to just be quiet rather than speak up? I was like, I've got to say something. And she respected that. Um, you know, that's probably why she was always able to walk through on either side and be able to work with both sides. And me, I kind of ostracized myself for a little while, but then I realized that I just started getting arrows from everybody. Um, <coughs> let's finish this up, shall we? And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify, now this is one of my, this verse is one of the verses that really blew my mind when I was 20 years old and really studying this stuff for the first time. Because I do not nullify the grace of God. For if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. And whether you believe in atonement theory or not, the idea is that you know, this man was made into a criminal. This man uh, was shamed for saying there's another way. You know, it used to be, you know, get revenge on your neighbor and do these type of things. Um, an eye for an eye, you know, that kind of thing. And he said, no, turn the other cheek or love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you, those type of things that came up in the Beatitudes that are often left out at the end by a lot of people who live by the Beatitudes. They forget the the few things about the enemies at the end often, unfortunately. Um, it's, I come, you know, so how do we nullify grace? You know, I, I did a book called Fall to Grace. You know, I've, there was a movie once made about my parents called Fall from Grace. And the idea of falling from grace is, is, is really only through rebuilding the law. When we tell people that there are only A, B, or C, and if you don't follow A, B, or C, this becomes a law. And we create a law, and it becomes rigid, and it becomes legalism. And so when we build these things, when we rebuild these things, that's when you fall from grace. So when I was saying fall to grace is what I meant was is like, you're going to fail, you're going to mess up, and that's okay because in grace you are accepted. And that's why we're going to go through Tillich's talk of you are accepted after this um, series. We're going to go and do a, a little, maybe two-part series on Tillich's talk, you, you are accepted, which you can find anywhere on Google. You just put in you are accepted Tillich and it'll come up, read it, get to know it because it's brilliant. Um, so, but this always hit me because I do not, I, I do not nullify the grace of God if I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. And for me, as a young man, I really thought God was the law keeper and that Christianities were the keeper of the law and, um, and kind of like the guardians of, of heaven, if you will, the gates of heaven. It's a wall of people. And none of them were great. They seemed very kind or loving or hopeful to me. And then grace hit. And so grace is that when we go back and look at, you know, um, you know, 
Titus not being circumcised, even though he was spied on and seen and it was talked about. He goes, it didn't make any difference to me. You know, what these guys were, leaders or not, God has no preference. It, it was the idea of knowing where you are in grace. You are accepted. And that is um, pretty fantastic. You know, um, there's something bigger to that. And this concept of grace is hugely huge and wonderful and amazing, and I, amazing grace, if you will, to coin a term. Um, <laughs> this is the idea that we want to bring. These are the things of, of I think, uh, what we're being called to. And so I think now that we have kind of like this, uh, it seems to be getting even more and more ostracized, but you've got this like, uh, let's let's go to the two opposite sides. What is it like the Christian nationalists that really don't have anything to do with Christianity, and then what people are you know woke folks and and all these things and and both these terms have been you know they're both kind of taking terms and turning them into laws and um, really strange ones. Uh, are you in or are you out? And um, both of these can become very big legalism when we grasp onto the like the worst concepts of, of like Christianity's traditional 1970s, 80s, and 90s belief systems of, you know, grasping onto these like cancel things and things like this of saying there's no hope and once someone does something they've committed this impartable transgression and now they're out forever. You know, that's not how you build community. That's not how you help people grow. Um, that's uh, not an area in Christianity I find. Even in Galatians, when uh, when the young man was sleeping with his mother-in-law, and Paul says, "Kick him out," you know, you got to remember in Second Galatians, I mean, it's Galatians and, and Corinthians, and the Second Corinthians, he says, "Hey, I was seeing how zealous you guys were. You guys need you're very zealous. You really need to let that person back in. We don't want to lose them. You need to restore that person and restore them gently." So, you know, this is, this is, this is why uh, Christianity stays a part of my life. Uh, I've seen so many of my friends and people just kind of drift away from it or drift from one side to another side. Not everybody, but a lot of people. Majority of, like, you know, my friends and people I worked with don't even want anything to do with this faith anymore. And it's not that I blame them. But at the same time, why did I stick around? Well, I, I saw the things that they saw as well. I experienced them firsthand. Um, but it was, it was for me just, and I'm not trying to say that like I'm enlightened or anything, but for me, there was just a deeper truth there that, that moved beyond all of that. And so that's what I hold on to is this idea of grace, this idea of forgiveness, the idea of love is like, well, how do we, it seems this unfixable situation. And then I go, well, no, 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 no. The cure is right there. It's, it's, it's called grace. That's like, that's helping us like deal with the disease, not just the symptoms. And, and it seems we get so focused on the symptoms and we fight each other with all these symptoms that we forget to go and go like, well, what's at the bottom of this? And uh, what's, what's really, what, what can fix this? And I believe grace is that. And that's why I believe grace is anarchy because it doesn't say like I subscribe to this denomination or that denomination or this way of thinking or that way of thinking. It just as I move in between all those and, 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 and find acceptance with all those folks. So to me, that's kind of beautiful. And so just to kind of wrap this up, because we've been going almost an hour now, my kids are probably going nuts and ready to go play. 
Um, you know, what we have here so far is, you know, Paul trying to prove himself and, and say, you know, please, you know, someone there is trying to cancel me. Don't cancel me. You know, this, let me show you my, my worth. <laughs> um, and then he's also trying to say, like, you know, don't rebuild the old system. And, you know, the reason that Peter was in transgression is because he, he was trying to follow this purity culture. And I don't think we realize is that purity culture is not just something that was like, don't have sex and listen to rock and roll music. It's also like, don't hang out with your friends who voted for Trump and, you know, exclude them as well. You know, it's both those. You know, that's, that's what he's saying. Like, don't get the, we all have different types of what we think is purity and what's not pure. Don't practice either one of those. The third way, the higher law, love, which is not even a law, just grace. <laughs> Live within grace. Um, and, and do it on a daily, you know, we will always necessarily, I think I even rebuild the old system at times, but then I have to continue to remind myself to tear that old system down and show grace. And I mean, I swear, even times on social media, there are times where I just want to just like get rid of the grace concept because it doesn't seem to even add up with even some of my like friends who are like these social justice mega people, you know, like sometimes I'm like, even with them, I'm like, you know, the critique has become more important than the message of grace. And I'm like, oh, am I just like a has-been? Am I just an old dude? You know, like, am I just like some weird hippie that's like, oh, grace and love, guys. We got to keep it groovy, you know, and I have to fight that. Like, that's me dying to my flesh of going like, well, maybe I should draw a line in the sand. Maybe I should should put up this, this giant boundary from all these people because they might not like me. And the fact is, who cares if they don't like me? Because I know where I stand with myself. I know who I am. And I accept that I'm accepted. And so I'm able to do that. And my mom in this book said, I gotta be me. And realize, say to people, I've gotta be me. And this is who I am. And this is what I have to add to the conversation. And I'm open to what you have to add to the conversation. You know, and that's what Paul's saying is like, don't fall for purity culture. Don't fall for this, this extremism of, of in and out or this binary way of thinking when it comes to each other. And don't rebuild these, these systems of law. And when you do, make sure you tear them back down. And so that's where we're at so far with Paul. And he's showing us some really great examples that really like nobody, like Peter, the rock, that the church is building, nobody's above falling back into this. And so if we're able to see that, I think we're able to give a little bit more grace. You know, when you think of someone like, I know someone I used to really struggle with was Mark Driscoll. Like I'm able to give a little bit more grace to someone like that and think a little bit differently. Or when I see a picture of my mom put up and I read all the comments of these horrible things that people are saying about my loving, graceful, amazing mother, I'm able to go like, oh, I do that all the time, you know? And it's the only reason I'm not doing it to my mother is because she's my mother or because I had a relationship with her and because I know about her and I know the ins and outs even of my family. People are like, how did you like living on stolen money and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I'm like, you know, I'm doing a documentary right now and I went through all this stuff. There, there was never a thing of, there was never, my father didn't go to prison over stolen, you know what I mean? I'm just sitting there going like, ah! And how quickly we are to judge and jump on the bandwagon rather than just be like, hey, you know what? We're all screwed up people and imperfect people, you know? And, and oftenly misguided. And, and, uh, I guess that's a scary pace for a lot of people. We'd rather drop walls or, or you know, exclude people who are saintly in so many ways because they voted differently than us. 
And that is not the way because, you know, we, if we don't have conversations, if we're not willing to interact with one another, I think we lose. All right, folks, that's the long and the long and long part of it. Um, Galatians 2 is uh, 2023 is in the books. Um, thanks for listening. Listen, if you like what we're doing, it really helps if you support what we're, we're doing. You can go to revolutionchurch.com and uh, there's a donation button. You can make a donation. We're, we have PayPal, but we um, I just talked to our new financial person and we're going to have Venmo up soon. So if you guys are no longer living in the 2000s, early 2000s, late 90s like me, um, then you can try Venmo, which is all the cool kids are doing. I'm sure there's probably something even newer than that. I'm so old man when it comes to technology. But you can help support us that way and um that really helps a lot um finances keep us going and if we're going to make it past march then we really do need your uh, support um oh look just put zella maybe zella zilla zilla it'll be next um and you go oh yeah i don't have anything to donate um well you can help by sharing these services uh sharing these gatherings with other people on your social media platforms on twitter and facebook and um, YouTube and uh, Instagram, and uh, I don't do the TikTok, but you could put up something about revolution on TikTok. That would might even help. So those are some things that might help keep us uh, moving forward and keep this community growing and keeping this really what's more importantly is this message alive and well and, and the work that we're trying to do and hopefully spread this truth to other people in other places. So um, thank you so much, and I love you all. Looking forward to the future. Um, have a wonderful uh, day and have a wonderful day remembering uh, Dr. King tomorrow. Um, challenge yourself and read something written by Dr. King. Um, Letter from a Birmingham Jail is really good. Uh, I love that. It's one of my favorite writings. I think that should be canonized and put in the Bible. But it is free to share about revolution on social media, so you can do that and that will be definitely helpful. Or just tell a friend. Thanks. And oh, follow. Follow us and uh, get get your um, alerts. They go, bing, revolution's coming on. That'll help as well. Thank you all so much. And um, Grace, be with you. Bye-bye. listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.